Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them. Hey gang, I don't know how this episode's gonna be because we were almost finished recording it when I took a look at my recording software and saw a whole bunch of zeros and went, oh no. <laughs> it's fine, we all make mistakes. So this might be the express expedited episode of Not If I Reboot Your First as I was saying earlier, um, I'm probably going to be more cohesive now because we actually have something of a plan. That's definitely possible. Um, so this episode is not going to be like brainstorming fanfiction. We already brainstormed it. <laughs> now we're just going to tell you about it. <laughs> so we're going to restart uh, Agent Carter. Okay, now you say restart. So are you, are you saying we're just starting from scratch or are we going to go off of season two's ending? I almost think that we should start from the end of season one. Because we okay. made some changes to season two, mostly uh, more Angie. Yes, more Angie. So, so are we still going to Hollywood then? Yes. Okay, but are we gonna do the plots that we wanted to do, or do you do you want to rip through an idealized version of season two and then get to our MK Ultra plans? Yeah, because like I think that we do have to introduce uh, the Zero Matter. Yeah, and I also like really liked uh, Whitney Frost as a villain she she was fine as a villain but she barely did anything yeah that's and it's like i kind of because she's was barely did any matter anything madam masky like i'd rather she be a different character altogether okay yeah so maybe not have her right away wait did we, we said we were rebooting agent carter right yeah. Okay, good. Oh no, now we're going to be all mixed up and like, did I actually re- reference this in the recorded version? Um, anyway. Um, so how about we hold off on Whitney Frost right away? Um, but we still have to find a way to introduce Zero Matter, because that's going to be a major MacGuffin. Okay. And a good way to introduce some future characters. Um, but overall the plot, hmm. Hmm. Here's an idea. Okay. We can take the character of Jason Wilkes. Yeah. So, in the original recording, we were talking about if we wanted to introduce Reed Richards in some way. Okay. And one of my ideas for him was that we racelift him so that one of his motivations for working with a less-than-savory corporation or organization is because it's so hard for him to get a job. Yeah. So how about we just cha- take the idea of Jason Wilkes and change that into Reed Wilson? Yeah. And I would probably have to lower the age because I think you suggested you want him to be like a grad student. Yeah, so he's probably like, what, in his 20s? I would say like he's 21, 22. Yeah. He's, he'd like, he just started his graduate degree. Yeah. Yeah, because he's also one of those super geniuses. So I'd imagine that he was in the university at about 16. Yeah, but yeah, but he's also a black man. So the only people willing to hire him are something real sketchy like Isodyne. Yeah. Which is like a spinoff of Exxon, which is like, what if we were an oil company, but also invaded Asgard? <laughs> oh, wait, no, Roxxon. Exxon are the real people. Roxxon is the fantasy version. Yeah. Exxon did not invade Asgard as far as I know. <laughs> but they probably want to. Yes. But yeah, because his whole thing was he was investigating the zero matter, and Reed is predominantly a physicist. Yeah, which makes sense, and he's more on the theoretical side anyway, so... Yeah. And also, but before we get too far in, another thing we discuss is that we don't want everything to be laying the seeds for other Marvel properties. Yeah. Because 
it's so easy to get distracted once you get rolling on that ball. Yes, very easy. <laughs> so we're going to focus on Agent Carter. Yes. So for the most part, season two is investigating the zero matter, maybe doing something with zero matter. I was also thinking when I was like making my notes for this episode of, um, hey, there was this weird rocket scientist called Jack Parsons who was also active in the uh, Southern California, specifically Pasadena area. Um, is this a real person or a Marvel person? Real life person. Okay. So the, the Cliff Notes version of Jack Parsons, he was this like genius rocket scientist. Yeah, he didn't get his, like, his full degree or whatever, but he had to drop out because of money issues. Okay. But like he founded, he basically founded the Caltech uh, Aerospace Lab. Okay. Specifically, he worked on the in the Jet Propulsion Lab. And um, he was also really into the occult. <laughs> And was, like, corresponding with Aleister Crowley. He personally knew a young L. Ron Hubbard, and they tried to summon the Antichrist one time. Oh, right, it's this guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> Is this also the guy who was mysteriously exploded in, like, Brazil? No, in his garage in Pasadena. Oh, okay. He and his girlfriend were going to go to Israel. Now, there's a couple different theories about it. First of like, yeah, he had nitroglycerin in his uh, garage, and you know what? At, at some point, you are going to have an accident. It's just law of averages. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that theory. There's a couple other theories where it's like, um, he was a major material witness in a case against the LAPD. Some LAPD captain, like, planted a car bomb on a union organizer Ooh. one time. So, yeah, the LAPD doesn't like him. He flirted with communism one time, so of course J. Edgar Hoover doesn't like him. Um, <laughs> he never got his security clearance for World War II to work on, like, rocketry and all that. And he also might have become enemies with, like, L. Ron Hubbard. Though I don't think Scientology had really fully materialized by that point, but at the same time, L. Ron Hubbard was a son of a bitch. Yeah, well, see, Elrond's uh, book deal money hadn't run out yet, so he didn't have to invent a religion in order to support his lifestyle yet. Yeah. <laughs> also, Elrond Hubbard stole stole Parsons' original girlfriend. Well, come on, that's just petty. <laughs> While Elrond was married at the same time. I mean, that tracks with everything. I, yeah. With everything else on top, it's like, yeah, <laughs> you might as well. <laughs> yeah. Fucking... Was there anyone in the 40s who wasn't an absolute bastard? <laughs> J. J. Edgar Hoover was like, what if I just made everyone miserable? J. Edgar Hoover probably started the rumor about being a homosexual because he knew it would distract people from him being just a terrible person. Yeah. But, and, and even if it was, the closet doesn't excuse you being a terrible person. Yeah, um, there is no excuse for being a megalomaniacal, lying, manipulative bastard who takes credit for stuff that you didn't do. Oh, J. Edgar Hoover would love the Trump presidency. Oh, yeah. He's looking up from hell like, damn, I wish that were me. <laughs> Just getting away with all this sort of stuff. But anyways. Yeah. The two things that are very easy to distract you, talking about modern day politics and talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yeah. So let's focus on something more lighthearted. Y'all heard about yeah. MKUltra? <laughs> <laughs> for our listeners who don't know what mk ultra is or have only heard of it in passing when talking about stranger things uh the cia decided like hey we want to create super soldiers like think more like jason Bourne. but you know what they were trying to do to do that 
LSD and electroshock therapy. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, Canadian schizophrenic patients from like uh, the 1960s who uh, don't have their memories anymore. Yeah, like it's easy to joke about it just because of how ludicrous the whole situation is, but they fucking ruined a lot of lives. Yeah. And it wasn't just the CIA because a lot of other world governments were like, hey, that looks like fun. We should do that to our own citizens. Yeah. And like, also, this is in the pursuit of like a truth serum. Now, the thing about truth serums is that, first of all, they don't really exist. The closest thing is like sodium pentothal. And even then, that's like, eh, that doesn't really work. Just get them um, drunk. Like, just get them drunk. The KGB, if they weren't beating the fuck out of you, would get you drunk. Listen, listen, listen. I, I work for the CIA, and I think you're really hot. Also, here's my password. Will you sleep with me now? <laughs> no, you're too drunk, but thank you for the password. I, I'm actually, listen, shh, listen, listen. I'm actually a Russian mole. Here, here's my password. Potatoes. <laughs> and then the FBI would sometimes lace the cigarettes of various uh, mafioso with marijuana. Was that for any kind of purpose or was that just for fun? <laughs> Technically, it was for interrogation purposes, but I think they just wanted to have a good time. Like, they've been busting all of these uh, dope dealers anyway. Let's just Fuck it, let's use some. <laughs> like, nobody really cared about evidence, like, proper storage and handling of, of um, evidence anyway at the time. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit uh, encouraging that government bodies have always been absolute idiots. <laughs> As my dad says, your average government functionary can't even plan like a six-year-old's tea party. We've lasted this long. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, our big bad for the season is going to be the uh, very nascent CIA who does have like actual Washington backing and because various reasons. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So have we moved on to season three now? Yeah. So let's move on to season three where it's like, okay, Thompson's been shot. Does he live? They killed Chad Michael Murray. Okay. Concerning it's a bit of a soft reboot and we're introducing um, we're introducing several new characters and we're also giving more uh, prominent roles to other characters. Let's like have Thompson die. Let's clear the table. Yeah. He's fine. He's on Riverdale now. Chad Michael Murray is getting all that uh, organ, organ dealing money. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't think Riverdale is bad, but... No, no. Chad Michael Murray played a guy who started a cult that was a front for organ theft. You know what? That's not the craziest thing I've heard. They, they, Coming out of Riverdale. They tried to take Cheryl's liver. <laughs> I think they successfully took one of Kevin's kidneys. Oh, God. Poor Kevin. It may have been during the Heathers episode. <laughs> Way back in the day when my mom was watching Days of Our Lives and they had like the villain Stefano who would like hypnotize the one heroine into believing that she was like the reincarnation of her dead mother who was a princess. So this season they're gonna be singing songs from Hedwig and the Angry Inch because I guess gay rights? 
Okay. The three things you can't talk about without getting distracted. Modern politics, the MCU, <laughs> and Riverdale. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so Chad Michael Murray is dead. Yeah. We killed him. Yeah. And we kind of know who did it. We know specifically who did it. The creators yeah. did confirm that it was uh, Peggy's supposedly dead brother, Michael Carter, who I guess just faked his death. And he did shoot Jack Thompson. Yes. Um, fun fact, I was looking up information on Michael on the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki, and his only ability listed is expert marksman. But I'm pretty sure he shot Thompson point blank, and I don't think you need much marksmanship ability to do that. Yeah. You had also brought up in the earlier recording about Ian Fleming, the creator of James Bond. Yes, because... It's a bit too early to do a full-on Bond pastiche, but yeah. Ian Fleming definitely would have been around still. Yeah. So, yeah, my whole thinking was that, and we brought this up earlier, is that, okay, at some point in, say, 4142, uh, Michael gets uh, injured, say, in North Africa or Italy, and he's left for dead. Yeah. Uh, the Carters assume that he is dead because they never found the body. Turns out... Um, MI5 picked him up. They have their own version, or they're trying their own version of Project Rebirth, which is what created Captain America. So yeah, because, well, this and this would technically have happened, um, like, it would have happened to Michael before Captain America was the thing. Yeah. But it would have been during the trials where, like, oh gosh, what was the scientist's name? Erskine. So yeah, Erskine would still be doing trials. Yeah. And... So around this time, he'd be doing trials, and Hydra would have, like, their own version because they're trying to recreate Red Skull, naturally. Yeah. And, of course, America is still working on theirs, and uh, Russia wouldn't need it because they just have the Red Room going on. Yeah. Far Farm-to-table assassins, no additional chemicals needed. <laughs> you just bell light. <laughs> exactly. We bring in dance instructors from the Boloshoi. They are expert assassins. Basically. <laughs> they have thighs of steel. <laughs> <laughs> we will crush capitalism between our thighs like Spiro's egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Those are our major players. Um, but yeah, so basically my idea for Michael was that we combine his character with that of Brian Fowlsworth. And he's this variation on Union Jack, who is a gay man who's also a, a little bit of a super soldier working for the British government. Yeah. And he also just happens to be Peggy's brother. Yeah. Because, yeah, just, just get that extra pathos of yeah. being a gay guy in the 40s. Yeah. Delightful. Mm. I love it. We love <sighs> to see it. Yeah. Nothing can go wrong. <laughs> I was also trying to like figure out the whole... Like, how does Hydra infiltrate all these different organizations? And, like, I know that with Winter Soldier, uh, one of the criticisms of it was, I know Lindsay Ellis voiced it, I've seen this on Twitter going around, that they were kind of disappointed with the ending where it's where the big reveal was like, Hydra's behind all of this! And I'm like, okay, first of all, we know that a whole bunch of these conspiracies are real. And, frighteningly enough, um, various white supremacist supporters and groups have infiltrated. It's mostly law enforcement, especially in the U.S., because they have very poor vetting processes. Yeah. 
The other thing that they have going for them, in quotation marks, is that if you got like fired from one precinct, you can go over to the other and they won't really check your background. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I don't really like the idea of getting like several thousand police forces going on in Canada because shit like this happens. Exactly. So yeah, that's real. But like my thought with Hydra was that like, okay, at the end of the Captain America movie, when the Red Skull gets like zapped into the Tesseract, let's say that Hydra shatters in that like the Red Skull was the only thing keeping everybody focused and on mission. And with him gone, everybody goes their separate ways, especially people who had different ideas on what to do. Yeah. So, like, Artem Zola still gets scooped up, probably more likely into the uh, CIA because of Project Paperclip, which is an actual thing where the U.S. government scooped up a whole bunch of German scientists with a lot of blood on their hands to come over to the U.S. to work on various projects. Yeah. The most infamous being Werner von Braun. The Soviets at least said that they kind of quarantined their scooped up German scientists from like actually doing stuff, just more acting as consultants. But that's the official story. And the thing with the Russians is that you can't always believe the official story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think one of the major things that Agent Carter would do, both the show and the person, Agent Peggy Carter, yeah. is kind of lay out that governments can make do terrible things regardless of who they are like it's not just the quote-unquote bad governments like there's yeah. dark things going on with all of them doesn't matter if they're russian german italian british american canadian you name it there's the governments did terrible things leading up to world war ii and during world war ii and afterwards they're like well this has been working out pretty well for us why don't we keep going yeah i think one of the things is like power attracts people who want power and often they're going to do very immoral things to get it yeah power doesn't corrupt like they were like that to begin with yeah it's just governments are kind of like a concentrated form of power get all these people into a room and oh boy terrible things can happen so yeah we have all of this issues where it's like oh crap my brother is involved with this and also like why and it's the whole well here's the thing about the spy world is that everybody spies on each other, including allies spying on their own allies, because it's like, we can't even trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. So why should we even trust our allies? Like, fully, completely trust our allies. On a lighter note, hey, let's at some point introduce uh, Namor. Yes, I feel like that would be... Actually, maybe we could do that. Yeah, because he's eternal. Because Namor, Namor's thing is that he's like half Atlantean, half human mutant. Yeah. There's definitely going to be someone in the government who's like, mm, let's get that good, good fish sauce. Oh, God, no, that's a terrible phrase to use with Marmor. I'm so sorry. <laughs> the other agent looks over and is like, you sure it's not the abs and the pecs and the biceps and just the everything? For, for Alan's sake, I do have to refer to Namor as the king of abs-lantis. <laughs> I mean, he is the uh, Marvel answer to Aquaman, and oh boy, is that an answer. I don't know, I think... Mind you, it depends on who they cast for him, but as, as it stands now, Aquaman might have him beat. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, Henry Cable is busy playing Geralt. <laughs> I don't think Henry Cable would be a good Namor anyways. No. 
I think most people want to go in an Asian direction when they, like, think about casting Namor. Is it Namor or Namor? I think it's Namor. I think it's, I've always heard Namor. Anyway, who's the guy from uh, Crazy Rich Asians? Henry Golding. Yeah. He's got him slightly... He doesn't feel like a Namor. Hmm. Uh, I don't know why. It's Yoshi Sadarso. Put Yoshi Sadarso in everything. <laughs> Let me put Yoshi Sadarso on my... Just Yoshi Sadarso vehicle on my list. <laughs> just like you want to put Sarah Bolger vehicle on yours. Yeah, yeah, because she gets screwed over. Hey, do you want to give Sarah Bolger a bigger role? Because in the original one, you went on a whole tirade about how sh- her and her characters always get the short end of the stick yeah. in American productions. Yeah, yeah, like... I said earlier that I hated the whole Sousa Peggy Carter romance because Sarah Bolger's right there. And like, wouldn't it be a nice character arc for Sousa to like realize that he was loving the idea of Peggy Carter and not the actual Peggy Carter and he gets over it because there's this wonderful nurse right there named Violet and she could be like the Claire Temple for this group? Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Perfect. It's great. And she, like Clary Temple, does not put up with people's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, did we talk about Maria Stark in this recording yet? No, not yet. Okay. So let me, for the, for the audience, let me lay out my idea for Maria Stark. Okay. It's Angie. Yes. But I, for the longest time, I had this idea that when Angie, like, made a big on either Broadway or Hollywood, whichever... She would be like, oh, there's no famous Angie's. I'm going to change my ra- name to something more glamorous. I'm going to be Maria. And then everyone would go, oh, you're, oh, you're you. And then she can meet Howard. Because Howard and Angie never actually met in the original show. Yeah. So they finally interact. And Howard can be like, I am immediately enraptured with your beauty. And Angie will be like, I'm going to push you out a window. <laughs> <laughs> because Angie was one of the best parts of the series. She was so good. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole acting, acting thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just cry on command. Awesome. Oh, yeah. So Angie is mostly our comic relief, along with Jarvis, of course. Yes. Yes. And his battles with the flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, we can continue the whole, like, thing um, after... Anna, his wife, gets shot, where uh, he promises her a Bernese mountain dog. (laughs) And then we can have this giant pupper on set. They're so big. I know. My cousin has a Bernese mountain dog crossed with a St. Bernard. She is huge, but she is the sweetest dog ever. When she woofs, she goes, woof. Boof. Yeah. You almost feel it. <laughs> I search for St. Bernard Bernese Mountain Dog mix. And you can't really get a good idea of their size because there's nothing like with them standing next to a person. Yeah. But they are very poofy. Mm-hmm. Now, Tibetan Mastiffs. <laughs> That's a horse. Yeah. Hey, have you ever seen a Newfoundland? It's basically a bear. <laughs> oh, he goes boof. Yeah. Like an outlander, um... In, I think, season three, when Clara travels back in time and meets up with Jamie, they're sharing pictures of uh, Brianna, their their daughter, together. And in the background, there's the giant Newfoundland dog. Jamie's like, what is that great beast? She's <laughs> like, that's a Newfoundland. It's a dog. 
It's like, it looked at her like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> oh, I, I looked up Newfoundland Great Dane mix, and these are tall boys. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, Jarvis and Anna will get big dogs. <laughs> Hello, Miss Carter. Have I introduced you to my new horse? <laughs> And then in the future, you can have, like, toddler Tony Stark riding on one of those big dogs. <laughs> yeah, anyway. What's the plot of this? Did we ever even get to a plot in the original? I don't know. Other than everybody is up to shady shit. I think the closest thing we got to a plot is that uh, the FBI and CIA were on Howard's ass, and we were trying to justify S.H.I.E.L.D. not actually being a government agency in this timeline. Right. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, the governments are trying to basically absorb the SSR into themselves, and so Peggy kind of has to scrounge up her allies to become their own non-government organization. Yeah. And, like, get Howard to bankroll it without actually giving him any power over it. Yeah. You're here for the Steins, Howard. And also because you got money. Yes. And we like you. Um... Oh yeah, there was going to be a bit where like Ian Fleming, the the real human Ian Fleming, I mean, yeah. would see the gadgets that Peggy and Howard use, and either he would go, "These are brilliant, I should put them in a book," or "These are so silly, he would use these." And yeah. then, <laughs> and then the Bond movies show up and are like, "Hold my martini," <laughs> and maybe have some shoutouts to some of uh, the real women who uh, influenced yes. Bond Girl. Help, Peggy's a Bond Girl. I had an idea where, like, there's an episode where they go to Britain either for business or pleasure or a combination. Because, yeah. like, what if Peggy goes there with, uh, Sousa? What if yeah. Peggy goes there with Sousa to introduce him to her family if they do end up getting together? That would be fun. You know, okay, if, if they're going after Namor, what if that is just the whole plot? Is that they're trying to chase down Namor, and we don't even know really that it's Namor until right at the end? Yeah. And it's almost, it's almost Guy Ritchie-esque in these, like, five different organizations trying to find Namor. And only Peggy's faction is the one who's like, what if we helped him instead of dissecting him? <laughs> it's Snatch. It's Snatch, but instead of a diamond, it's a man with ankle wingies. <laughs> That can, if this is like 10 episodes long, then the ending of episode 7 is like, Peggy finally confronts him and he just hikes his pants up and flies away. Mm -hmm. And she's like, wait, <laughs> what? And I also think we were going to bring in the Bloodstone family at some point. And that was like down, down in the future line. We're like, we'll bring yeah. in the Bloodstones. We'll bring in Victor Von Doom. We'll yeah. bring in um the the girl who like, had the power of fire, but also became a vampire. <laughs> Spitfire. Yeah, um, this is all based off of the fact that uh, Disney and uh, Marvel own, or at least have right to Conan the Barbarian, because I think the Howard estate still has final say over certain stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those weird things, like the whole Esker Edgar Rice Burroughs properties. So, anyway, our big thing was, like, we're going to be exploring possible other dimensions and weird dark magic stuff because the zero matter is also the dark force which is tied to the dark hole the dark hold you mean yeah the dark hold yes. which got brought up in that one season of agents of shield where they had ghost rider, ghost rider. Yeah. yeah 
Oh, we can do our own version of Ghost Rider too. We could. We could have Johnny, not Johnny Storm, Johnny Blaze. We could have him. We could even, we can play with the, because I th- actually, I think Johnny Blaze was the second Ghost Rider. Yeah. I might have my, my order mixed up. Okay, well, like, the first Ghost Rider was, a, like, a Western guy. Yeah. But if we play with the order, because in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., jo- like, they didn't say it outright, but pretty much everyone on set said, oh, yeah, Johnny Blaze is the guy who gave Robbie Reyes his powers. Okay. So we could just mess with the order, and we could put Daniel Ketch as a Ghost Rider in the 40s. Okay. Yeah, and, like, the whole motorcyclist aesthetic was really starting to become a thing in the 40s. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's all down-the-line stuff. Yeah. Like, like this third season would specifically... I guess it's specifically about Namor. Yeah. When you get right down to it, it's about Namor and government corruption on all levels trying to make super soldiers. Yeah. And a whole bunch of Gambit pile-ups, because that's how actual government conspiracies work. It's no real grand, grand thing, grand plan going on. It's more like everybody's got their own plan. Or is trying to cover up a, a mistake. <laughs> and it sort of just crashes into each other. Quite often the plan is, let's mess with everyone else's plan. Yeah. We win by making sure America loses. Or, insert country here, loses. Yeah, like, um, I think Yes Minister summed up British foreign policy very well. Uh, for the past 500 years, uh, Britain's plan has been to screw, just stir the pot in Europe while they focus on other stuff not going well for them right now um why i don't think we figured out why michael killed jack thompson yes what would be the reason for that because there might also be some desire to get that good good zero matter themselves unless jack is uh involved in some other stuff that he shouldn't have been involved with and mi thought or mi6 got the jump on that as opposed to the CIA, because the CIA has a bad situation about not different parts not talking to each other, let alone talking to other government departments. I mean, we since we know it was Michael that killed Jack, we we yeah. could just say it's MI6. Yeah. MI6 found out Jack Thompson was getting too close to the truth. Got him. Yeah. Bang, bang. Simple. It's clean. We could have, like, one of those... I. Oh, God. It would almost be like the... The fight at the end of Winter Soldier, where it's, where it's the whole, I know you're in there somewhere. Well, I don't even think Michael would be brainwashed necessarily. He just would have taken a dark turn. Yeah. Like, that could, that could be the, the big, one of the other reveals is that, because Peggy could be thinking this whole time, like, oh, it's a Leviathan situation. Michael's just been, like, brainwashed by MI6, and he this isn't the real him. He's just like Dottie. Yeah. And then, and then it turns out, no, he... He's, he's still serving queen and country. He's just decided that this is the best way to do so. And it's terrible. Yep. <laughs> Nemeses. So it's also great because now we're creating uh, villains and antagonists with a variety of different reasons for what they're doing. Yeah. So the more Hydra stuff and say if we get into the more cosmic agent stuff as well, that tends to be a bit more impersonal. It's more like you're just in the way of what I want to do. Whereas Michael and Dottie have, like, personal stakes and personal investment in Peggy. Because reasons. Yeah. Reasons, 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 reasons. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, I think... I hope I managed to say all the stuff I said in the original, but I might be burnt out at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of the one who's like, no, no, we got time, we can do another take. Okay, what what else? Can you think of anything else? Like, we don't. I'm not going to try and push this to an hour, but I also don't want to cut you off just because I'm running out yeah. of steam. Uh, yeah. Because, like, a whole bunch of stuff would also, like, work better in later seasons because, like, I want to be able to continue Agent Carter so that we can introduce Nick Fury at some point. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I think your original idea for Nick Fury back before we started this podcast was that he, like Samuel Jackson, he was originally part of the Black Panthers. Yeah. Which, and now that we know that the Black Panthers had assistance from, like, actual Njobu from Wakanda in the Marvel Universe. um, Oh. Well, no, we knew this. Yeah. We knew this already. I know, um, but like I'm like, oh, vibranium. Yeah, we could we can tie it in even more. Yeah, I know we said we didn't want want to have to connect everything to the Marvel universe, but you know what? If we use Agent Carter as like a foundation to just raise everything and build it back up from the bottom, yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, a stealth reboot it doesn't have to be stealth. We'll just like maybe it'll be like Bumblebee was like it's a well, it's not a reboot unless it does really well in which case nothing beforehand happened and we are moving on with a new better creative vision yeah yeah there was a video put out by Lorondas explaining why Bumblebee is the perfect reboot yeah yeah and then we could also sort of uh fix some stuff regarding the nature of certain villains and maybe avoid some Decisions a couple future superheroes are gonna make that were very controversial. Yeah. Steve? Yeah. Oh, did did you see that Sebastian Stan has joined the, the haterade train? Yeah. I'm so happy for him. Yeah. It's like, okay, Steve going back in time actually does open up a whole plethora of opportunities for fan fiction, but at the same time, that particular universe of Steve, it's like, did you really ever try to move on? Yeah. Anyway, that's a discussion for another day where, hey, maybe we can finally rope in Jackie into joining us for one of these. Oh boy, the Stucky Power Hour. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we have done everything we can. Yeah. Um, oh, I think the only thing that we haven't addressed was Winter Soldier, in which case uh, he's going to be something of a ghost. Yeah. A legend. He. I mean, at this point, he may not even be active yet. That might still yeah. be... Working on him. He's still in the garage. Yeah. Just wait. Yes. Just do wait. Oh, right. Because I forgot to say this in this take. Um, (laughs) uh, There's a distinct possibility that Agent Carter will actually get, um, not a third season, but like um, closure in the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because they are time traveling back to the 40s and Enver Jokey was spotted on set. And the people were thinking may have even been promoted to main cast member because he got one of the bikes that all the regular cast members got. Nice. TV merchandise. Here is your cast bicycle. <laughs> because why not? Exactly. Um, in that case, I think we'll go over to a, a secret SSR transmission in the form of a friendship promo. Hello! My name is Christina. And my name is Emma. And welcome to Faithful. This is a podcast where we talk about faith and religion and spirituality, but in the context of our favorite popular media. And sometimes also whether or not it's actually effective. 
listen, we try and be positive, but sometimes <laughs> stuff is just bad. But we love what we talk about most of the time, regardless. Like, we talked about Harry Potter. We talk about the entire concept of faith within the Adventure Zone balance. <laughs> we talked about the Power Rangers comic, for God's sake. Honestly, just if, if you've heard of it, we're probably going to talk about it at some point. Check us out. We come out on the first and third Sunday of every month, just in time for church. We are on Twitter at FaithfulPods. That's with two L's and an S at the end. Keep, Keep the, the faith! faith. Alright, we're back. If you've decoded the secret message entrenched within that advertisement for a second podcast, then you now have your orders. We can totally insert some uh, Ars Paradoxica style sound effects for that one. This is a subliminal message. Subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> hey, Lindsay, where can, hey, you be, where, where can you be found on the internet? I'm at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with a name. You can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. And this very podcast can be found at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and that's pronounced Crikey O'Reilly! <laughs> and you can find this podcast on Instagram at not if I reboot you first. Um, that's all one word. And the hashtag that we follow is N-I-I-R-Y-F, and that is pronounced, what's your name, darling? Agent. We cannot do justice to Haley Atwell's voice whatsoever. No. I can maybe do a Jodie Whittaker, but I think I'm just giving myself way too credit. <laughs> As I said, I tried to go for Queen, but unfortunately she has a very odd accent. Yeah, you were trying to channel Lubagoy, <laughs> circa Royal Canadian Air Farce. Yeah. <laughs> him, him, him. Him, him, him. <laughs> I'm the queen. <laughs> I shall live forever. <laughs> my corgis are my horcruxes. <laughs> Anyways, you can also email us at notifyreboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite British accent. You can even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. If you'd like to support us directly without being completely knackered, then you have a pa- No, that doesn't even work. That doesn't even make sense. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash notifyreboutyoufirst where you can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially, including a shout out to all of our patrons. So, jolly good show, Charlie and Cassidy. Thank you, Charlie and Cassidy. Cheers, love. You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu. Her work can be found on ptchew.com, and if her fiancé listens to this section of the episode, he's probably going to smack me through the computer for doing such terrible British accents. <laughs> and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can find, con contact us, and you'll contact him. Con call me, and I'll call him. And then he'll call you, and you'll be like, here's some tunes! <laughs> that entire- that was a train wreck by the end. Lindsay! Oh, yeah! <laughs> Lindsay, do you want a hint for next week? Yes. Well, it's still British. Okay. We will be discussing a very specific form of one of their folk heels. Folk heels? No, folk heroes. <laughs> We're gonna be talking about a British folk hero. Okay. He shoots some arrows, he steals from the rich, and he run real fast. Nice. So, 
I'm so deranged. But we'll deal with this next week. Okay. But not if we bit you first. Bye. Anyone fancy a cuppa?